Welcome as we worship together for St. Matthew's United Methodist Church virtual worship. This is the third Sunday of Advent, and today we celebrate the joy that Jesus brings. Will you join me in prayer? Your song is joy, singer of creation, for you are joy. Joy that fills the empty with good things. Joy that sings light into the darkness. Joy that echoes with angelic song. Joy that births hope in the midst of despair. Open my lips to sing your praise and receive your melody in my life. I am ready for your coming, the coming of joy. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning comes from John chapter 1. We'll read verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, Who then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elisha, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for God's people, and we say thanks be to God. In this third week of Advent, we focus on joy, the joy of Mary's song, the joy of John's confidence, the joy that comes when Jesus comes close. And in this time of Advent waiting, we can also feel the joy 
coming close to us and guiding us on our way. John told about Jesus. John waited for Jesus. John hoped in what God could do in Jesus, even though John didn't have the whole picture. You remember, Jesus was John's younger cousin, and Mary and Elizabeth were pregnant at the same time. Neither one of them thought that they could or would have a baby, and both of them were blessed by God to bear boys who would grow up and speak God's truth and bring God's grace and change the world. So here we have John. And in this part of the gospel, John and Jesus are already grown-ups. John is in the wilderness teaching and preaching and inviting people to repent and be baptized. And it's in the middle of that ministry of John that he starts to speak about who he is and who Jesus is, and who Jesus will be for us. And so we consider these words during Advent, even while the timeline is a little bit of a, of a fast forward, um, to John and Jesus's adult life. But John is very clear. And in the synoptic gospels in Matthew and in Luke, we really get the sense that John is clear about what he's calling others to do. He's clear about the call to repent and clear about the actions they should take. John's gospel gives us an additional picture of John. John who is clear about himself. John who is clear about his identity and his ministry. The folks come out from the Pharisees to question and John says, I am not the Messiah. He hopes in the Messiah. He teaches about the Messiah. He presents the Messiah, but John knows that he is not the Messiah. It is so easy. It's so easy to try to be the Messiah. It's so easy to try to take care of the ones around us, to manage their feelings, to make sure everybody's doing okay especially in these days that are hard and different and worrisome, it is so easy to step into that place where I try to be the one or you try to be the one who makes it all better. But if I'm running myself ragged trying to be the Messiah, how can I possibly hope in the true Messiah? If I'm spending my energy stepping into a place that is not mine, how can I love and praise and worship from the place that truly is mine? So John is not the light. 
And because he knows that and he's clear on who he is and what he has to do, he's able to bear witness to the light. John was full of hope in the promises of God. He was full of hope in the promise that God would fulfill. But I imagine that holding on to that hope was not exactly easy. The world around John did not lead him to hope in his circumstances. It didn't lead him to trust in the Roman government or in Herod or in the political situation of his time. John couldn't hope in the things around him exactly. So what did he do? What can we do to hold on to hope? I was reading a reflection about the scriptures for today, and the woman who wrote that reflection was talking about an important practice that people use when they are... um, scholars working in universities and trying to further knowledge in that realm. The advice to scholars, cite who you love. For them, that means use their works in your papers. But I think it goes farther than that. It's an invitation to follow the ones who we have come to love, to learn from who we love, to acknowledge and to give thanks for who we love. John did that. He spoke of Isaiah. And in this particular scripture, he quotes just a teeny tiny little piece of what Isaiah said. But the point is that he remembered Isaiah He remembered all the promises God was giving through Isaiah. And in the one phrase that he speaks, he refers to all of that. The scripture reading this morning suggested for the Old Testament comes from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to lift up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. 
I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. So we listen to those words of Isaiah, and we recognize that he is speaking to people who are experiencing exile. They're feeling desolation. They're stuck in a place they don't want to be. They don't know what's coming next or how they will find a way out. And even as they're hungry for hope, they don't know where or how that hope will come. They are stuck, or at least waiting, between what is now and what is not yet. And so in that place, in those moments between the now, where things feel difficult and we're not sure how to hope, and the not yet of God's promise of of what we know will be full and final healing, They're in between and they feel that struggle. And so the words that Isaiah gives, the words of hope and promise, the clear description of of how the people will come forth into new life, of what God will do for them to bring justice and to make things right. Those words aren't, aren't just words in the wind. They're strong promises for people who need to hear them most. And John leaned into that story of Isaiah. He leaned into another time that God had taught people to hope when all hope seemed lost. And in that story, in that memory, John found fuel to keep his own hope burning. So what about us? What if your hope is flagging? What if you feel stuck? What if you're struggling between what is now and what is not yet? What if you too cite who you love? What if you learn from and follow and give thanks for the people who have shown you the way. Lean in to those who have gone before. I've got a couple of questions that might help us do that. Who taught you to hope? Is there anyone in your life 
who you saw keep going in hope, even as they lived between the now and the not yet? When I was first out of college, I spent some time working on the border with Mexico. I was living in El Paso, Texas, and learning from the people who were serving God with those there on the border. Just outside the city of Juarez, there is a neighborhood called Anapra. Neighborhood might be a generous characterization of what's going on out there. There are pure sand roads. The electricity comes largely from uh, self-constructed cords leading from questionable power uh, poles and spreads to way more houses than I think it was designed for. People live in close quarters, in uncertain housing, and it is definitely a place where it might be hard to hope. Most folks have moved there from somewhere else seeking a better life, and now they live in this not quite a neighborhood, a poor section on the outside of a struggling and violent city. It's a place where it might be hard to hope. I met a woman there. Her name is Doctora Mendoza. She runs a small clinic. And at her clinic, she provides medical care, wise counsel, and steady presence to any and all who seek her out. It's amazing to hear about the surgeries that she has arranged and the lives that have been transformed because people were able to receive care from her. Day in and day out, Doctora Mendoza lives in the community of Anapra. She raises money anywhere and everywhere that she can, and she maintains the commitment to be with those folks and to bring healing. She loves them, and she loves Jesus, and she keeps showing up again and again and again. Doctora Mendoza is someone who has taught me what it looks like to hope. Who have you seen live with courage and tenacity through a tough time? I think I've told you before about my best friend. We don't remember a time that we didn't know each other, but we think we may have been introduced in kindergarten. Just after Martin was born, my friend and her husband started to try to have a baby. And they tried, and they waited, and they hoped, and they tried, and they miscarried, and they grieved, and they waited, and they tried, and they hoped. And all the way through, my friend knew, deep in her core, she knew that she was called by God to be a mother and to share God's love 
with a child. And so she waited and she hoped. And last year, she welcomed her firstborn child into this world. After 11 years of waiting and hoping and grieving and trying. I saw my friend live with courage and tenacity in a very hard time. How can you draw from that hope and courage for your own life? How can you lean into the stories of the people that you have known and you have loved who have shown hope in this world? And how can you draw courage to say, yes, we are part of this great cloud of witnesses, the folks who are living and walking it with us now, the folks who have died and gone on, the folks that we never met, people like Isaiah and John and Lydia, who carried hope in times that seemed so hard to hope. Hope is something that we catch. We catch it when we draw close to God, and we catch it when we draw close to the people who live in hope. So I hope for you that you can draw close. Draw close to God. Draw close to those who have hoped before you. And may we catch hope together. Will you pray with me? As we stand in this place between now and not yet, this place of uncertainty and also this place of hope, may we gather our prayers and hope together in the Lord. God of all hopefulness, You have said that you will never leave us or forsake us. That our hope is in you. And that you will never fail us. Help us, O God, to lean into that hope. To draw from you and from the folks that you have empowered before us. To experience hope and to live it even in these difficult days. We pray for your church throughout the whole world. God, everywhere that people call on the name of Jesus, may we be drawn into your hope, and may we be bearers of your hope in this world. We pray for our president, Donald, and for our governor, Roy, We pray for all those who have been elected and appointed to be our leaders. May they lead wisely and may we join them to work together for our common good. We pray that in this time of transition, when one 
administration is coming to the end and another is being formed, that you would guide and uphold all involved. May we transition well and may we work together, all of us. We pray, O oh God, for this, our local community. We pray for our teachers and school staff working so hard to educate and connect with and lead our students in new ways and with new restrictions. God, give them strength, give them rest when they need it, and may they know the goodness of their work. We pray for everybody working in our hospitals and nursing homes, for doctors and nurses and public health staff. This pandemic is new and different and hard, and these people are showing up to care for others in ways that are noble and good. And we pray that you would protect them and give them the strength and the courage that they need. We pray that you would give all of us the will and the attention to care well for each other, to do our part with distancing and masking and all the ways that we can care for our neighbors. Oh God, reduce the harm and help us keep each other safe. We pray for everybody involved in manufacturing and distributing vaccines. May that process go smoothly and quickly and may it bring an end to this pandemic. We pray, oh God, for those that we love most for those that we hold close, bring healing and health and strength just where they are most needed. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and pray together the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go now with these words of blessing. Joy has come, for the Lord has come. Be open to its splendor. Be prepared to sing it in your heart. Be ready to receive the singer of creation, the coming of joy. Go in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.